McClellan. That's right, you are. How you doing, Jason? I'm fantastic. Alejandro, how are you today? Not too bad for a Monday. Uh, Excellent. Hot Monday out here in uh, sunny Phoenix. We're used to it. I know the East Coast is getting lots of rain, but um, tough cookies. <laughs> we've got sunshine. All right, so we've had uh, a lot of busyness going on, and uh, I guess I'll t- first tell you about our guest for today, and that is James Gilliland. So he uh, runs what is called the E-SETI Ranch. I think that gets people get confused. There's C-SETI, there's SETI, and there's E-SETI. And SETI is a scientific group. C-SETI is Dr. Greer's group. And E-SETI is ran by James Gilliland, and uh, it stands for Enlightened Contact with Extraterrestrial Intelligence. He runs the Isetti Ranch in um, at Mount Adams in Washington, where there's. It's always been a hot spot for different paranormal stuff and UFOs. And a lot of people who go out there see UFOs, including some TV shows that uh, you've probably seen. They go out there and have sightings that are very interesting. He's got an interesting clip on the website actually, where even Fox News went out there and recorded something. So. Very interesting ranch. Uh, So we talked to him about why there are so many sightings out there, what he thinks they are, and he has some very interesting answers. So I found him to be a really nice guy, Um, so it's going to be great to talk to him. But before we get into that, Jason and I, of course, like to talk about some news of the week. So we both share an article, but I think it's been a while. It's been like a couple of weeks, so I'm going to talk about two. You're such a cheater. Cheater. I'll let you do that. I'm just going to talk about one. Okay. Should we do yours first? Um. Yeah. Why don't we knock that out? All right. Well, Alejandro, I'm going to talk about a story here, and it continually develops. This is fascinating, and it grinds my gears. This one really gets me worked up. So I'll start off. Uh, So many of you may remember we reported um, last year, the end of last year, about um, the Indian Army, people in the Indian Army reporting hundreds of UFOs along the Indian-Chinese border. And the military actively investigated these things, couldn't determine what they were. People from uh, scientists and astronomers there investigated these objects, saw them for themselves, and couldn't determine what what they were. Then, uh, shortly after we heard about that, there were reports by uh, Indian media saying that scientists suspected the UFOs were simply Chinese lanterns launched by the Chinese army as a part of a psychological operation, psychological warfare to freak Mm. out people in India. And after that report came out, the news kind of died down because media outlets accepted that explanation and said, oh, yeah, Chinese lanterns, case closed. But then just last week, The Telegraph published an article saying that those UFOs still had the experts baffled. And uh, people from the Indian Institute of Astrophysics stated to the paper that the UFOs were still a mystery. They were still investigating them. And... uh, They couldn't say what the objects were. Now, fast forward to today, just a week later, and now there's yet another story coming out saying that scientists from the Indian Institute of Astrophysics say that they were simply planets 
that people were seeing. They're saying that these hundreds of UFOs seen by military people, investigated by astronomers from these very institutions, were simply Jupiter and Venus. And this is being reported by many media outlets. So, Alejandro, I'm very shocked by the back and forth uh, with the reports coming out about this story, and I'm very curious as to what the actual truth is, because we're hearing so many conflicting reports about the duration of time these objects are, are in the sky. You know, the ones reporting that these were simply Chinese lanterns were saying, oh, they were in the sky for, you know, 10 minutes or whatever. Whereas the initial reports from the, the military um, witness reports were saying these objects were in the sky for hours. So, and now we have astronomers. And, and I will point out again, I just mentioned it, but the initial investigation, when the astronomers from the observatory there investigated these things, they specifically ruled out planets and other celestial bodies. Now we have other astronomers saying, oh yeah, Jupiter and Venus. Yeah, I, I thought you might talk about this one. And the problem, though, I think is, I think that it sounds like something mundane, although uh, they can't figure out, they haven't figured out what, just because it, it, the movements don't seem very exciting. And the other problem, though, is that they will not, because China keeps refusing, we don't have anything to do with it. So they rule that out, and they aren't looking at the possibility of drones or these other things with China, because China says it's not us. But how you, can you trust China? You can't trust any military. Um, so it could be something military from the Chinese. That makes the most sense, actually. Right, so, and, and those reports have come out, too, saying that uh, officials investigating the case ruled out Chinese drones. I don't know how they would concretely rule them out when they still don't know what they are. Well, and it but, sounded like they said, because the Chinese said they wasn't them. So they right. took their word for it. Right. But, you know, I mean, it, based on the description, it could. It, it sounds like it could be something mundane. You know, they rise and hover along the horizon for around three or four hours before fading from sight. But, uh, you know, when you have astronomers from the observatory there investigating, seeing these things, I mean, you would think they would know what Jupiter looks like, but I don't know, it, and it could be because it doesn't seem like they're taking, they're making a, the media is making a big deal out of it, and it is kind of interesting because you know they're unidentified, um, but it sounds like they're kind of blasé about it, like you know, their first report probably doesn't seem like really hardcore investigation, um, although lately it seems like they're looking closer than they did before. But again, you know the. Reports continue to change. I mean, we initially heard that they were looking into it. Then we heard that they just shrugged their shoulders and they said, eh, Chinese lanterns. Now we hear they're looking, they're still looking into it again. It's a mystery and they're very interested in it. Then just a week later, we hear, oh, just planets. Yeah. Well, it's so. a lot of people putting their two cents in there. And really, in the end, though, they're still unidentified. Yes, sir. That is the moral of the story. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> All right, Alejandro. I know you've got two to get to, so let's get to your first story. Oh, and I was going to say, I'm sure it's not the last we've heard of this story. Well, I'm glad that we continue hearing about it. I thought once the story came out about, uh, oh, it's Chinese lanterns, it would be dead and we wouldn't hear any more about it, which right. was the case for a while. But it emerged again, and I'm glad to hear it because it's a fascinating case. Right. So we've got a lot of cool stuff on the website, including the Indian story. But one of the stories that got me super excited last week was uh, this planet hunting scientist. And this guy is not just a planet hunter. He's like pretty much the most famous one. He found the majority of exoplanets using Kepler. Yeah. Um, so he's found most of them. And now he's like, I want to look for aliens, for uh, giant spaceships and for a laser-based internet in space used by extraterrestrials. So his idea with the Kepler, they look at a star, and then when the star fades in and out, they figure there's a planet going in front, and so they studied that um, to figure out wh how many planets are there. He figures that if you look at it and there's irregular dimming, that uh, perhaps then that's a, a large extraterrestrial ship. And instead of looking for new information, he says, we've already got enough data that we haven't combed through uh, from the Kepler, which isn't working anymore, by the way, that uh, we're going to look at that information and try to find some information in there. And then uh, that if, 
he kind of feels like SETI uh, is outdated in that they're looking for these analog signals and any extraterrestrial civilization that is uh, somewhat advanced is going to be using a more advanced method of communication. And he Lasers. Looks, yeah, a laser internet. So he's looking for... He says it should be easy to tell because it would be a really bright light, um, like a laser headed towards us. I guess that would be them trying to say, hey, we're sending you an email, a laser email or something. Laser so that's email. what he's going to look yeah. for. So that's really cool, I think, that this guy's so into looking at for E.T. Uh, that he's starting to do this, and he's gotten a grant to, to do this work. Yeah, that's really awesome stuff. So especially from such a, a prominent scientist. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, look how much uh, attention Kepler gets. And you've got this this guy who's identified the planets uh, based on Kepler data. Yeah, I think it's fantastic that he's he's the one doing this. And, oh, poor Kepler. I, I, they're trying to bring it back online. I, I hope they do because Kepler's done some awesome stuff for us. So Yeah. Poor Kepler. Hang in there, Kepler. Beep, boop, beep. <laughs> Did you hear that? I just heard Kepler respond. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. That's sweet. He sounded a little upbeat, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He sounded. A, he's doing better. Thought he'd be more like a sad R two. Yeah. <laughs> right. That would be scary. But luckily, he sounded happy. Yes. So the other I just wanted to talk about we posted late last week was Mufon's best UFO video case of 2012. While we were there at the Mufon Symposium, they handed the press a their top 10 sightings as uh, determined by their science review board. So it, it had some information, but I did some digging to find out some more about it, and we posted that video. And I think it is very intriguing. They find that this, you know, you see this round object, um, and this was a lady in Georgia who during the day saw this. Her daughter pointed it out. She was with her kids and a friend. Uh, two or three different cell phones got videos of it, and it, it's like this round thing floating, but it looks like it does have lights on the perimeter because the perimeter is kind of shining. Um, and I think it's a pretty cool video. What do you think? Do you think it could possibly be a kite? No. I don't no? think it's a kite. But I think it could be because, especially because there's no string. Kites, I've never seen a kite where you couldn't see the string. The other thing is um, it it moved up. According to them, it was moving towards them and up. Now, it could be a balloon. It could be some kind of mylar balloon, and that the flashing light effect is um, mm. light to sun reflecting off the balloon. That's right. If if it's not something strange, or sure. uh, I, I suspect that could be what it is. Hmm. That's my best guess. Yeah, it definitely is an interesting interesting video. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what to make of it. Yeah. So we posted that video on the science review board that they've just put together. It's pretty exciting, too, because it's lots of engineers and scientists that have worked with, like, NASA, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, and, and a bunch of things. So uh, hopefully looking forward to more cool stuff. And then we do have the other 10 cases. None of them had pictures or video um, like this one, but we'll post those top 10 cases here this week so people can see uh, what the science review board thought were the good cases. It's exciting stuff. I'm glad they've got this board, and, and you know, that's their... their intention is to get back to focusing on science. That's what MUFON's all about. So mm-hmm. hopefully we'll see some good things from them. Yeah, what do you think of the symposium? Symposium was good, man. I I uh, was glad it was in Vegas. That was nice and uh, seemed to get a decent turnout. And uh, the, the lineup of speakers was good, again, focusing on science. And you know me, I'm a big fan of focusing on science when it comes to this field. That's right. Science is cool. We like to be blinded with science. Oh, I don't know if I want to be blinded, but... Well, it's supposed to be a good thing according to that song in the 80s. Okay, well, songs from the 80s can't be wrong. Right. Well, thank you, Jason, for joining us for the newest portion of Open Mind UFO Radio. It has been my absolute pleasure, and I will remind people, you just pointed out some great content we put up recently on our YouTube channel, and we're putting up content more regularly now so if you are not subscribed to the youtube channel do that it's at youtube.com slash open minds tv and we put up all sorts of good stuff there including spacing out with you and maureen and you guys have a, a the last episode is about the symposium so people can find out more about it there too huh 
That is correct. We did uh, shoot some stuff at the symposium, gave a nice little recap there, so do check that out as well as all our other videos. Muy excelente. Yes. All right, so let's go ahead and talk to Mr. James Gilliland. I'm very excited to have on the show today James Gilliland. Hello, James. Oh, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, I guess to start off, it's an exciting topic. People are always excited about the East Eddy Ranch, but um, maybe a little bit about your background and how you came about um, acquiring the ranch. Yeah, that's a that's a long story. I'll try to shorten it up a bit, but we got um, lots it, of time. Yeah, <laughs> basically, it's uh, I know a lot a lot of ufologists have a hard problem with this, but it was more of a spiritual experience and awakening, and and it came after a near death experience. I kept having visions uh, after a drowning over and over of the ranch, and I saw a river and the mountain Mount Adams, and and uh, and then the, a little mountain behind it. And I kept seeing the words Little Mountain Road, which made no sense whatsoever because there there was our little mountain. I didn't see road on it, but uh, in the vision, because there's this massive mountain and I kept couldn't understand why they would show me the words Little Mountain. And and then down the road, I found out why, because the ranch is actually on Little Mountain Road. But wow. uh, after that vision kept reoccurring, I, I grabbed a map of the United States and um, I used some forms of divination that I've been taught to actually nail down the ranch. And when I, when I got here to the ranch through a, a series of synchronistic events, uh, I ended up right exactly on the spot that I marked on the map. Even, even though I threw the map in my closet and forgot about it, I ended up here anyway. Wow. Where were you living at the time? I was in Santa Cruz in Northern California. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's quite a distance. Were you, I mean, ever even thinking of moving to Washington? Well, I kept getting um, inner guidance that I really needed to make something bigger because I had a, a house there in Santa Cruz, and it was full. And we were teaching um, deep meditation techniques, inner sensitivity training, uh, teaching people how to, you know, get into the higher self, you know, the higher aspects of self and things like that. And, and uh, I kept getting a message that it was, it was time to build a template of, of a very spiritual community that lives in harmony with each other and nature, you know, and covers, you know, body, mind, and spirit, all aspects, and and try to create a template where people could come and and see a different way of living, you know, to, to kind of get humanity off this self-destructive program it's on. Mm-hmm. So in Santa Cruz, you already kind of had uh, you were already teaching meditation and these sort of things um, prior to moving to Washington. Yes, I was uh, very involved in it. I had the near death experience uh, when I was down south in Orange County, and I was actually doing commercial real estate and had my own office and people working for, for me, and was very, very successful. But after the drowning, uh, I, I had a big wake-up call, and I came back ultra-sensitive, and I could see everything for what it was. And I just had to get out of that environment, so I moved to Northern California, and I was living up in the Redwoods just to adjust to the new to the new energies. Mm-hmm. And then how far after that was it that you moved to Washington? Well, that was – I've been here 26 years now. Wow. So, 26 years ago that I moved here. Mm -hmm. And I think I was in Santa Cruz for a little over six years. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to UFOs, I mean, were you already into that topic before moving out there? You know, not really. Uh, as a kid, I was raised in Apple Valley, California, and uh, the high desert. And we saw things all the time. And, and we were right next door to Rock. Alpha Ring and that group, Otis Carr, you know, that were building their own little UFOs and flying around. Uh -huh. So so I was exposed to it at an early age. and But, you know, I wasn't really uh, – I just accepted it. You know, I saw things that – because that, sleeping outside – because the desert, it's really hot, you know. And, and a lot of times we just throw a sleeping bag outside on the lawn and watch the sky when we were kids. And, and we had all kinds of – things flying over that nobody could explain, you know, doing zigzag patterns, turning bright blue, flashing, and then taking off. And, and we don't have anything that can fly like that. And that was, you know, that was back in the 50s, late 50s. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, so you were seeing sightings in the desert as a kid, but I mean, are the sightings where you are now even even much more numerous than than back then? Oh yeah, yeah. It's because I opened up to it and and rose to the occasion and took a, a very spiritual approach to the matter. Um, we've had more success success here than almost anybody. I mean, this is a hot spot now mm-hmm. for for UFOs, but it, it has a long history. The Native American lore goes back to the the inhabitants underneath the mountain and some very advanced beings there and they took their sick and wounded up to the mountain and they took them in and and he healed them and brought them out in just days you know with broken bones and things like that so there's a long history of that um kenneth arnold actually lost sight of the ships when they landed on the western slopes of mount adams that's in his in his uh uh information and then uh, Dr. Jalen Hynek, uh, all of these major, I think Greg Long, Bill Vogel, David Akers, all of these people have done investigations up here with these intelligent lights that keep appearing. And, and, uh, and, and you know, we're, we're also having metallic ships. We're having everything here. It, it's pretty crazy. We're having solid metallic ships we're getting photographs of. We're having etheric ships and, and massive light ships and, and uh, triangles, giant cylinders. Uh, even pyramid-shaped ships, just like every color that we seem to be phot- photographing here. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's quite a, an event that's unfolding here. Mm-hmm. And so it's a variety of different types of ships. Do you, who do you feel is in these ships? What do you think is going on there? You know, most people couldn't really handle that answer uh, unless they did some real serious research because... Mm-hmm. There's so many different groups that have ships that have this technology. Our, our ancient ancestors had this technology, and it's all throughout the, the Vedic scriptures and, and even in the Bible and, and other ancient texts. Uh, the the Vimanas, you know, the Atlantis, Atlanteans and Lemurians, they had this technology, and they went inward after the floods and joined some other groups, you know, living underground in facilities. And some are coming from distant uh, distant systems, you know, like the Pleiades, the Orion system, the, you know, near Sirius and, and those areas. So, and it's also interdimensional. It's not just this dimension that's going on. So it's, it's quite a, a big picture. Uh, the sad thing is, is, you know, I'm sure you've seen it in the UFO community. It's so competitive and, mm-hmm. and, and split up. And, you know, I gave a lecture there a long time ago at the Congress. And it got a standing ovation. And I told people the only way we're ever going to get the truth out of, on this uh, enigma is for everybody to put their information on the table and share, you know, because it's it's all the above. It's not just one thing, but th- everybody's trying to fight for their reality or their truth. You know, one mm-hmm. yeah, one group will say it's, it's just nuts and bolts. You know, another group will say it's the Germans you know, who back-engineered this stuff a long time ago, flying in from the North Pole or whatever. And then you got other groups saying, oh, it's just the greys that are here to abduct people, you know, and, and, you know, do genetic experiments. And then you have other groups that say it's all benevolent. You know, it's all it's all positive. It's all benevolent. And, and the real box you want to check is all the above because it's all going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so agree with you there because it's like um, people seem to... Like, they have to know the answers for some reason, and they'll attach to an answer and then stick to that worldview so um, tightly that they really close themselves off. They become closed-minded. They close themselves off to other ideas or possibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it becomes a religion, basically. Mm-hmm. And and it's sad because you really have to transcend all cultural and religious beliefs to understand this phenomenon. and and start reading all the ancient texts and do the research, you know, with an open mind. And then you're going to start figuring out what's been going on for, for ever since. I mean, it's been going on for 650 million years, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, that area there, so it sounds like you feel it's lots of different types of phenomena that are going on there. Um, why there at Mount Adams, do you think? Well, there's a couple things going on. Um, one is they've always been here, and there's a very well-documented history of that. The uh, the other thing is they're based underneath the mountain, and, and actually we're sitting right on top of them. 
um, ground penetrating radar has research has been done here and we're sitting on just a massive, massive cave, you know, that, mm -hmm. that they're flying around underneath us. And I had some, some people up here that had some pretty interesting equipment and they could measure any anomalies, you know, in the fields, any movement in the magnetic fields above and below and all around us with these triangulating antennas. And they started getting movement underneath us, moving around underneath us. Mm. So uh, it's quite interesting. But we've had a lot of uh, pretty extreme technology come to the ranch to, to measure these anomalies, not just the the craft, but the, the beings that are the interdimensional beings that are appearing here. And, and each time they, they walk away just shocked, you know, when they get the results back. Mm hmm. So do you think that what is underground, I mean, is that kind of, do you feel that's kind of a base or do you think that there's a civilization under there? Oh, it's a whole civilization mm -hmm. and it's almost like an intergalactic airport and, and we've seen doors open on that mountain, like huge light doors and things coming in and out of it. We have it on film, but what's weird is if you go up to that area, you'll see just a huge uh, wall, like a uh, lava cliff you know mm -hmm. where where these doors are opening there's nothing there that would indicate you know you know there's any kind of a base or anything else and there's two or three spots on the mountain and there's one spot where there is a huge cave and we see a lot of anomalous lights up there and in front of the cave it looks like a buddha statue is carved out of the basalt so wow. it's uh and it's only open for maybe maybe three weeks out of the year that cave is open. The rest of the time, it's completely covered with snow. Wow. So I guess um, before we go further, because I love these ideas, and I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, maybe some people are thinking these are kind of some pretty fringe ideas, but I guess to establish that uh, for people who aren't aware, I mean, Mount Adams has a lot of sightings, and you've got a lot of great videos, for instance, on your site on some of the television shows that have gone out there, and it seems like most of them, if not all, have kind of a, a spectacular sighting of their own. Uh, yes, basically, yeah. We've had ABC out here, Fox News. We even had Jay Leno send a crew out here, but he canned it, you know, because I think they were going to make a joke out of it. And the problem was the UFOs showed up and they they split off in two different directions, came right at each other, and then went off, you know, like they were going. One was coming in from the north, and one was coming from the south, and they split off going east and west. And they got some amazing footage, you know, but they canned it. You know, we never heard wow. anything else about it. But, you know, Robbie Williams was out here. Danny Dyer did a special out here. Uh, Paranormal State came out, and we told them exactly when and where these ships would appear, and they had their cameras ready. And they got some beautiful ships coming in low and powering up and flying treetop level and then flying around the mountain. So yeah. we, we've proven redundantly that there's not only – a lot of activity up here, but it's intelligent and that we're having telepathic contact just due to the nature of, of having everything ready to go and and the ships showing up exactly when and where we said they would. And, and their psychic, Chip Coffee, um, was there too. And they, they brought him in uh, blind. They didn't tell him anything. And he came on the land and he started saying, they're here. And they said, who's here? And he said, them. And, and, you know, and I said, who's them? And he said, the extraterrestrials are here. And he said, look to the look to the west or no, the east at 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm, I'm blown here. 10 o'clock at night, look to the east and you'll see the ships. And then so uh, they they interviewed me and I told him the exact same thing randomly because we were separate. You know, I had no idea what he said. And so right at 10 o'clock in the evening, the ships appeared right, you know, in the east. I told them a little more north, you know, have your cameras northeast, and, and that's exactly where they appeared. Mm -hmm. And they, they got it on film. So you know, we've proven redundantly, you know, we've given exact times and dates and where the ships are going to appear with the cameras rolling. And, and I, I think that's amazing. We've been doing this for about 26 years here, and it's still been highly censored, you know, even more so within the UFO community. Really? Yeah, it's amazing. So you mean like the UFO community kind of ignores what goes on there? Well, or... we, the most flat, yes, a lot of, um, you know, certain, I won't mention names because uh -huh. I'm going to be 
speaking at one, you know, one of the most major UFO stations that covers UFOs. Uh-huh. The biggest station won't have me on the show. And uh and I think it's amazing, but you know, you take the uh like the oh the International UFO Reporting Center with Peter Davenport. Um he's been he has a long history of censoring the activity here and and belittling, you know, belittling people that call in and say, "Hey, um I'm out here with 35 people we just saw an amazing ship happen you know and uh he'll say well tell me when the little green men show up and hang up on them you know so um, wow. and I, I could figure out well, why is this guy doing this you know he sent an engineer out and to to do a uh investigation on it and she said look i checked out all the satellite you know feeds these are not satellites these are not space station or Evastat, it's it's not Genesis, it's none no known object, they're low, they're morphing, they're they're uh making turns, they're doing things that there's no way that they're not any known object. And one of them got really big as it came towards her and she hit the ground. Uh, wow. She hit the she scared the crap out of her actually. <laughs> but uh and and so she wrote this all up in a report and she gave it to, to Peter and he goes, Well, and then, so he sends a thing out in his newsletter saying that his engineer confirmed that we're seeing nothing other than meteors and satellites. And so people are taking his word on things. And and unfortunately, between him and, and the radio show that he comes on all the time, that group there, there's some major censorship happening. And And what's really weird, too, is they called me up to come on the show, and I was waiting here by the by the phone, and I just got pulled. At the last minute, and they just re- and they from ever since then they refused to have me on the show again. So, so some shenanigan happened. I don't know what it is, but mm-hmm. uh, it's it, that same thing has been happening a lot, which which actually led me to see that the field of ufology. Yeah, what is sad is that a lot of the UFO community has been highly infiltrated. With a lot of disinformation, people, a lot of you know misinformation, and and uh, you know a lot of intelligence and in there that at the highest levels, and that that's what we've seen over and over again, and and even you know some of the people that come up here, it's amazing they come up here and and just try to throw monkey wrenches into things and sabotage things and things of that nature, and and so we always document everything that happens here, even while they're here visiting. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, there are some people um, very high up in the field that that were among, you know, 60 people in the field saw an amazing ship fly in and power up and make a turn. And the next day said nothing happened. Really? Yeah. And and so I've through this process over the years, I've learned who's who in the field and who you can trust and who you can't trust. And it's very sad because there's very few people in the field you can trust, you know, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's sad, but I I really think about if we're really going for contact and we do want to contact these beings and if they are extremely advanced beings, most likely they're very spiritually advanced. And, you know, I think they're waiting for us to get our act together before they, they come in. Mm -hmm. And, and, and a lot of the things going on in the UFO uh, community is, directly adverse to contact. I mean, there's no reason for them to contact us if we can't get our own act together. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny, though, because I I kind of have seen aspects of what you're talking about in this field, and it's it's kind of a um, careful what you wish for type of thing, because I've seen where, and certain sightings, that UFO researchers kind of act weird about it. It's almost like it challenges their worldview even though it's something they're looking for, so then they just kind of push it out of their minds, just like the general public, or or they try to make it fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they pigeonhole it into their belief system. You know, it's sad too. Is like right now, a lot of the community is going towards it's all negative, it's a threat, and that's fitting into the agenda, you know, mm-hmm. of the New World Order boys. And and whereas there that was. You know, there was a lot of tinkering going on and manipulation, and there ha- we have been infiltrated big time by some of these beings, the regenerate ETs, the benevolent ones are coming in now to, to clean up this interference and, and uh, to get us back on track. So, uh, 
but you know these these the very people that are have been a part of the problem that are working with these regenerate ETs now are are trying to turn the the positive ones into a threat and mm-hmm. brainwash the people into thinking all ETs are negative they're all bad and they're all here to slice and dice us and create you know make human pilaf out of us and Hollywood's really big on that one right and, yeah and and it's very sad because all of this is is total contrary to you know, contact with the, the benevolent beings, which which really have everything we need to completely turn this planet around. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of, and um, this kind of makes me curious, a lot of, like, what we see, and even the people who have gone out there, like, and, and videotaped with you, they've gotten some great, I think, even the Fox News one, you know, they had the Bernard Hache come on and say there are possibly satellites, but... Earlier, they showed the video. There are two moving in opposite directions and at different angles, which is really weird for satellites, you know. And then uh, I love the Danny Dyer one because he gets so excited from what he saw. But it seems like um, they're very careful in what they show us. Um, Yeah, it's been sanitized. All of those have been very sanitized, unfortunately, because, I mean – we had some really good, I think Paranormal State did a pretty good job with some of the footage, but we had massive power-ups. And people go, those are iridium flares. We know where the iridium flares are, you know, and they're not satellite spinning the power up like that. Uh-huh. These things are treetop level. And, and I have things, you know, I had a conference here. Every year we have a major conference here. And, and I had like Mary Rodwell, Dolores Cannon, William Henry, Brooks Agnew, uh, Renato Legato. Um, I'm trying to think of all the people. I mean, it was a huge list of people. And so we did an intention experiment and a meditation to invite them in. And immediately, right when it ended, you know, people felt an energy come into the room and, and people were just sighing and crying and, and ha- feeling wonderful energies. We walked outside after the meditation and this beautiful pink orange ship flew right over the conference building. Hmm. And uh, um, God, I'm trying to think of his name. He's a physicist. Got a really good. He got it on his iPhone, you know. And a bunch of people took photographs and things. Brooks Agnew filmed it too, who's a physicist. And uh, and so here we've got over 200 witnesses. And you know, we initiated the contact. The ship flew right over the conference building, you know, for everybody to see. People were jumping up and down, screaming and hollering, going, "Oh my God!" You know, it's like amazing. And this goes on here quite a bit. And and I'm trying to wonder, like, everybody goes, well, when's contact going to happen? And, you know, everybody's pushing it off into the future. But I, I but I've been saying, you know, this has been going on here for 25 years. Mm-hmm. You know, it already has happened. And all it needs is some, some open-minded researchers to come and check it out, you know, and and not to come in arrogance because they're very turned off by that, but to come with an open mind and loving heart and, and rise to the occasion, and then they're going to understand and experience, you know, and have their own contact. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, what I was meaning, too, is that the ETs himself, the phenomena itself seems to be careful at what it displays to us. Exactly. If you're not ready, if it's going to instill fear mm. or, uh, you know, they're going to keep their distance and they'll do, you know, I call it dazzle duty. They'll do it up high and let you know they're here. But it's all about consciousness and we have to rise to the occasion. And, you know, just to stand in the presence of one of these beings, their their fields are so strong. If you're harboring a lot of fear and guilt and unworthiness and, and uh, you know, lower consciousness, you know, this all is uh, um, creating severe problems, you know, with, mm-hmm. with coming in contact with them in their fields. Because, one, they're extremely sensitive and they feel it and it, it makes them ill almost. And, two, it amplifies and accelerates everything within the other person. So they all their fears and their angers and frustrations and their old wounds and traumas come up, you know, when it just being in their presence. Mm-hmm. And, and very few would stand in that presence and heal that. Most of them will project and blame and, you know, go for their gun or, or fall back into a victim role. Hmm. I want to hear your thoughts on this, too, because this is kind of where I've gotten in it. It's one of the things where it really has been a goal for mine for a long time to get out there, but I haven't really prioritized it super high. I probably will now that I talk to you because I get so busy, but... um 
also because I kind of feel like, you know, I've seen, I've had sightings. Um, I've seen um, these things flying around and that I believe are, are you know, from somewhere else. Um, but it's like, okay, great. What does that do for me? I kind of feel like, uh, and I don't mind this, that we're on their timeline. So in other words, whenever they feel like, you know, an experience can happen, it will happen. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. They're the ones in control of what's going on. And, you know, they. I have a friend up here, John Kelly, who's been out in the field filming for the past probably, what, four or five years. I'm not sure. And he's just gotten amazing footage. And he does reverse speech on a lot of the, the even our presidents, you know. And they say, you know, the UFOs are in control. You know, they said, uh-huh. you know, there's the real power and things like that. So, so basically, we are on their timeline, especially the benevolent ones. Uh, they are are waiting for for those, you know, who are, you know, healing and moving towards an open mind, a loving heart, and pure intent. And when you've got those mastered, they're going to find you because your frequencies are going to be emitting a, a field, an energy that they'll pick up. So they, they know when you're ready. And and if you're not ready, they'll just kind of just tease you a little bit, get closer and closer and closer and push your push your envelope a little bit, push up mm-hmm. your fears and things and, until you're really ready to have the, the experience. I, I want to tell one short little story because we had a woman here, and we have a lot of Native American elders come here, uh, llamas, yogis, people from all walks of life that all know about this phenomenon. It's part of their culture. But we were doing a ceremony in a sweat lodge, and uh, we came out of the lodge. And right when we were coming out of the lodge, I was telling people, you know, we're very unified now in in energy, and we're we're really at peace, and we're in a really good space. So don't be surprised if the UFOs don't drop in really low. And so this one woman is standing there. She goes, I want I want them to land. They better land. I want to get mm-hmm. on the ship. And she's saying, I want, you know, this and that. And right after she said that, this huge kind of an orange-colored light ship, a beautiful light ship, came in really low, brilliant light, right over us. And she ran. And she ran and grabbed a tree and was hanging on a tree. <laughs> and... uh and and I told her, I said, you know, we think we're ready. We we really do. We think we're ready. I, I've had Qigong and Kung Fu masters just go go in to blank out and go into shock almost and stare at these ships. And after they go away, they have a camera on their shoulder, and they forgot they even had a camera and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So we really do think we're ready for these experiences, but when it happens, um, we often find out we're really not. Mm-hmm. Does it seem like to you that a lot of this interaction is, I mean, because we like to think often in a, um, like us and them as far as these large communities just contacting or communicating back and forth, and it seems overwhelming to think that um, maybe these things would be interacting with people like one at a time, but it almost seems like that's the case. It is kind of an individual kind of, um, growth or experience? You know, you know, it is. And they don't want to get behind any one religion or government or anything else. They want us to transcend that. You know, and they, you know, somebody asked me, do they believe in God or do they have a God? And I said, you know, they, they have their leaders and their masters and their history, but the God that they worship is an unseen God. It's like the creator in all creation. It's, it's more of an intelligent design program that they're that they're looking at. And you know, the bearded God that so many people are involved with, with, you know, that image came from the Anunnaki. They were the bearded gods, you know, that came to the earth, what, 450,000 years ago. But um, there were many other experiences. I mean, the earth's history goes back 650 million years, according to Cremo, you know, Michael Cremo and other researchers. You know, there's been advanced cultures here and that have, you know, we've had to start over as primitives due to pole shifts and meteor strikes and things of that nature. So the the archaeology is there, you know, they're digging up the ruins and finding them and, and you know, a lot of it's hidden, you know, but because, uh, you know, they don't want to upset the apple cart. But, uh, you know, we've been around a long, long time here and we've had many different civilizations start up here. The Earth's been colonized over and over. And, uh, you know, we've had Lyrian colonies here, Pleiadian colonies here, Atlantis and Lemuria were started by the Pleiadians. 
there's been so many different races here. So, you know, we are the ETs we've been looking for. I mean, they're our ancestors. You know, we're genetically connected to these beings, and we're connected to a lot of different ancestors, which is why we have all the diversity here on the Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the sightings out there, because uh, just to also let people know, you know, another reason why uh, why I'm excited to talk to you and uh, I find this all interesting is that so many people I know, I think everybody I know who have gone to the East Eddy Ranch or Mount Adams have had their own sighting. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them very skeptical people, so they're they're been really excited about it. A lot of the sightings I've heard of have been um, things that are far off on the mountain. Um, such as some of your videos. However, could you describe maybe some of the really close, how like how close have some of these things gotten, these physical crafts? Well, personally for me, um, I've had interactions with them ever since I was a kid. And I've actually been on the ships, and not just physical ships, but other dimensional ships. Because after my near-death experience, I learned to go, interdimensional with a lot of training, you know, through lamas and yogis and things of that nature. But this is way outside the box, and it's hard for people to understand that we're not just a body and a personality. We have a spirit, and that spirit's multidimensional, and it goes all the way back to the source. So when we understand that and and really do our spiritual practices, we start to engage the spiritual side of ourselves, the multidimensional self, and, and then we can have these multidimensional experiences. But relating that back to here on this level and bringing that into this matrix that has everybody trapped in the physical and everything is external is is a rough road, you know, to haul, you know, because you don't have any mirrors or there's very little agreement on that other than the physicists know that these dimensions exist. Uh, Michio Kaku talks, talks a lot about it. You know, and saying a lot of our our contacts may not be coming from uh, another world, but from another dimension. Mm-hmm. The different beings that you see, um, how often do people see those, and like how close do these these beings get? Well, there's a lot of people I know of that are having face to face contact. Mm-hmm. And they're having scenes appear, you know, in their living rooms and things like that. And in their meditations, they're popping right in. So um, that's happening on, on a very big scale, especially after people come here and go through some of our courses or go through the transpersonal release sessions, you know, which are those are interesting, too, because we had a scientist come here and film one of the sessions. And and one of the sessions, a, a seventh dimensional being came in from the plane of bliss, a golden light being. And he actually filmed the whole thing as it came in, and everybody's bodies turned into pixelated out into white light and uh, during the healing process. And then an, another being came in, and, and her energy was pink. You know, and another being came in, and it was green. But we have that all documented on the website. So, you know, you're talking about seventh-dimensional things here, and most people aren't ready for that. But uh, this phenomenon, you know, a UFO, you have metallic UFOs, you know, with physical beings on them. You have energy UFOs with energy beings on them. You have light ships with beings with magnetized light bodies on them. And so all of this, but very few people can access the higher dimensional aspect of, of contact. Mm-hmm. And the contacts, I guess, are, are they more kind of... Uh an interaction where it's kind of um, experiencing each other, more more of that kind of thing, or um, are these contacts, I guess, intended to uh, help us move to a place where we can all uh, be in connection with them? Yes, their main purpose. Uh, I asked some of the Palladians we were working with um, what why they're here. And they told me to release the past. And, and, uh, and so I asked them to go more in depth in that. And they said that your past is creating your tomorrow. And all your wounds and traumas and history and your grudges and all these things that you're holding on to are recreating your tomorrow. So they're, they're helping us heal this. And actually, the, a lot of that energy is psychometrized into the very earth itself. And they're changing the frequencies of the planet. Uh, you know, a good one was the... the the dome one, um, Dome of the Rock over there, a lot of people are trying to say that was fake. But the, the first footage was real, 
And then they threw a lot of fake footage in after that, as they always do, to try to divert people from it. But that ship was actually a, a feline race from Sirius that came in. And you can see the ship interacting. If you really look at it, you can see it interacting with the ground and this beautiful energy coming off the ship and interacting with the ground there. And when it finally takes off, a power burst goes off and it hits the whole area. And uh, we found out through telepathic means that, that these beings were there to change the frequencies and all the old religious psychometrized energy in, you know, the Wailing Wall and the Dome of the Rock and all the other things there to, to give us a chance to, to reboot, you know, to reboot consciousness. Because these are, are, they're like, oh, God, they're very sacred places. They're power spots on the planet, and they're connected into the grid on, on major grid lines. And so when they change the frequencies there, it helps the entire planet, you know. But mm-hmm. this is this is things that that most people wouldn't understand, you know, this is really high-level understanding of what's going on. But what also is interesting is I believe the ship over Russia that shut the airports down and everything, some of the, the people in the towers said that they had conversation going over the intercom there and that the uh, the beings sounded feline and they sounded like they're like, like cat-like beings, that they, were, they didn't know what they were saying, but it sounded like a female... Uh, cat-like being that was trying to converse with them over the over the radio and and so that ties into to uh a lot of the information that we're getting as well as our contacts here with some of the the feline beings that are humanoid you know they're upright but they're more feline mm-hmm. now do you think this is working because i mean uh when you look at what current affairs or, or how things have been going it looks kind of almost uh dim that uh yeah. so do you think we are actually moving in the right direction that some of this help is working we we definitely are you know have you ever seen uh, i think it's cymantics when they when they put a lot of energy in you'll have a pattern and you put a bunch of energy into it a pattern and all of a sudden it just goes into chaos for a little while and then it creates a whole new pattern after that and then you turn the energy up higher same thing happens. Everything goes into chaos, and then it settles back into a more uh, high, highly evolved pattern. And and so, believe it or not, it's it's hard to look at, but some of the chaos and all of the the revolution stuff going on, and the wars and things like that, are all part of a process of of you know all of that's coming up. It's being pushed up to the surface, and and the people are just saying, you know, enough. You know, we're we're done with tyranny. We're we're done with being controlled and manipulated. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the most backwards people during this whole process is us. You know, the United mm-hmm. States. I mean, we just found out that on every level, our constitution has been trashed. You know, especially you know our our right to privacy and things like that. And and our, our leaders and the people are just sitting on their heels, not doing anything. Oh, that's okay. You know, they can. They can listen to every email. They can listen to every uh, conversation I have, every phone call. Uh, and, you know, they could probably blackmail me later on with that, you know, or, or any other little misunderstood things going on. They could, you know, build a case. But, uh, you know, I think I th- I think people should just be – there are a lot of people that are just totally not going for it, you know, and where, you know, the totalitarian state that we're moving into right now. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I, I agree in that, you know, with all the trouble that goes on everywhere, it's almost like we're kind of spoiled and we we forget to be compassionate and that uh, we've got what we got and, you know, you're on your own kind of attitudes. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's sad because, now this is, this is another walk on the wild side if you want to go there, but there's a matrix and it's a, a consciousness and there's people that are in the matrix. And we've been so programmed, you know, by social consciousness, by TV, by other other frequencies and forces that are, are you know, working hard on us on a daily basis. Uh, you know, the food additives, the aspartame, the, the fluoride in the water, all of these things have actually dumbed us down and, and held us within this matrix. And the programming is so external that all of our love and joy and bliss and happiness, everything comes from external acquisition. You know, we we have to drive the right car and drink the right beer, you know, to get the blonde beauty on the beach and, 
and uh, you know all of these things are all external, and we're so indoctrinated into that that we're totally our our internal process has completely been hijacked, and so we're trapped in the physical in sur- survival, sex, and power basically in the first three chakras of the base emotions, you know through this matrix and and. Uh, this matrix is a matrix of consciousness. It's also been fueled by other frequencies and energies. And that whole matrix is collapsing right now. So people are starting to wake up and they're starting to go within and go internal and go, wait a second, you know, this, these other things are dependencies. They're enslaving. You know, we've been totally enslaved through dependency in our own minds. You know, we've, we have fuelless energy. We've had that for years. You know, we have all these other technologies that would free people up to get back into their creative mind. But that's all been heavily suppressed, and and people are starting to wake up to this whole thing, this network. I call it the Archon Network. It's it's not a very pretty picture because the higher you go up, you know, in leadership, the darker it gets. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so, and those people we're seeing in the physical are actually being manipulated by unseen energies, and they do secret ceremonies and things like that to bring these energies in for for power and wealth and and power over others, not empowering others. So it's a very self-serving, selfish program, and, and that whole program is being, you know, collapsed. I mean, look at the banksters, look at the military industry, you know, the, the oil industry, the pharmaceutical industry. All those industries are not really here for the highest and best good of humanity and the earth. They're here to create, you know, more pain, more suffering, more chaos, and, and more enslavement. And, you know, that's, that's all going to, to fold in on itself during this process that we're now undergoing. Mhm. Um I'm curious I mean do you feel uh that you have um do you feel there's a timeline to this? Do you feel like, you know, um you'll see this kind of opening within your lifetime or maybe even sooner? Uh definitely. It's it's really kicking up now in the in the next 3 weeks major events are going to be unfolding, but we're going to see it go on for the next 3 years and and this whole program, this whole tyranny program and the enslavement through dependency and, and all these other programs are going to be collapsing in on themselves. And it's all being done through energy and, and you know, consciousness and energy is how it's happening. But we have to do our part, you know, here on the planet as well. So so it's a matter of, of, of uh, communicating with each other and, you know, getting back to the basics and and you know, following the universal principles that are necessary for a healthy society and environment, or universal law. Mm-hmm. And and that's written in the heart of hearts of everybody. We all know what that is. And and we just have to get back in touch with the heart and start communicating with each other. And, and that's the way out. Now, if people wanted to come experience this and come to Mount Adams and, and to maybe have their own experience, um, what's the best way to do that, to come to the ranch or is there camping? Uh, what would you suggest? The best way to do it is either to call us, you know, or go to the East Eddy website, you know, mm-hmm. org, and all the information is there, and give us a call or send us an email, and, and we'll set something up. We had to change everything here. We were used to be uh, totally open you know, anybody could come to the ranch, and we just let anybody come up and, and do their thing and with no problems. But uh, we started receiving a lot of problems from the powers that be and through certain agencies, you know, county agencies and things like that. So we had to totally shift gears and go completely private. And and so we, we actually patented the land and everything and had to remove ourselves from, from the uh, from jurisdiction. And, and at the same time, we had to not be open to the public. We have to have everything private so we can maintain our, our boundaries here and not get, you know, shut down, basically. Mm-hmm. So so we had to go through a process. So that process is that people contact us, and then we give you a private invitation if you want to come and have a private experience, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Right. And uh, and and it's, that's not the way we we really wanted to do things. It's the way right now we have to do things because of the, the the status quo and the powers that that be which are soon to be the powers that were. Mhm. Now, and it sounds like you're open to uh people, you know, they may not be really into the metaphysical parts, they're not sure about that, but they do want to they're maybe more nuts and bolts people who want to have uh, a sighting experience. Are you still open to those people contacting you? 
You know, yes, we are. But one of the things that I find, if you do come up here, I don't, I don't mind discernment. I think discernment is really important. You know, but when people come up here with a bad attitude, they mess it up for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, and so we've had people come up here and, you know, and they just start, that's not, that's a satellite, that's this, that's, and they start just, just making it nasty for everyone else. And, uh, you know, and we go, well, just wait, you know, you don't know that's a satellite, you know, do you have the heavens above or the J tracker on your computer right now? And, and, uh, we said, just wait and observe it, you know, and see what it does. And, uh, you know, we had one woman here when Above Top Secret was here, and, and she was a, a MUFON investigator, and she just started standing up and screaming and yelling and saying, these are all satellites, and these are all, you need to go to Above Top Secret and check out their website and, and learn about this and everything else. And, you know, Johnny Anonymous was right there with all of his equipment, and he says, woman, I am Above Top Secret. Uh-huh. <laughs> And these are not satellites, you know. He said, I have all the tracker equipment right here, you know. So, so you know, we get people that unfortunately are beginners that are a little arrogant and they have a, a you know, they come to, to uh, they think they have to save everybody or something. I don't know what it is, but, you know, and I tell people too, it's like I can't be out in the field 24-7 pointing out what's a satellite and what's a UFO. You yeah. Know, it's, it's that. I try to, if the space station comes over and I'm out there, I go, hey, you guys, you know, everybody's screaming and hollering. And I go, no, that's the space station. You know, mm-hmm. it's, I try to tell people. But uh, John Alexander was here, and this beautiful triangle ship was coming in right over the mountain, totally silent. And everybody was screaming and hollering, you know. And I was telling John, I, and I told the people there, I said, that's not a UFO. And, and they got really upset with me, and I go, it's mm-hmm. not a UFO. And they said, why? And I said, because the light's dirty. It's dirty light. It's, it's our light. It's not starlight. You know, it's it's yellow. It has a you could it has a tint to it, and and because of my abilities, I could scan it. And I said, whatever's on that, on that jet or whatever it is, it's it's some kind of uh, high tech stuff. But the person on it is not very conscious. You know, uh-huh. and so finally, when it finally came over us, it was silent too, and we finally heard a, a faint engine when it came over us. And you could tell it was, you know, probably one of those stealth bombers or something of that nature. But, uh, you know, it's kind of like almost a setup, you know, like when they flew over, mm. try, trying to get everybody to say, yeah, yeah. And then they'd set you up later. So you have to be really discerning and careful about that because, you know, they're always trying to set you up, you know, make you look like a crackpot or whatever. Yeah. Well, I think we're about out of time, but I agree with you. I think that's just good in general. Be It's fine to be skeptic, but you don't have to be a jerk about it. Yeah, um, exactly. It's never good to have a bad attitude. Yeah, yeah, that just runs it for everybody. And they scan us. They scan the group, and they sense that. Mm-hmm. And that if the group's all chaotic and there's a lot of negativity there, they'll stay up high. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Thank you so much for, for coming on the air. I think this was a lot of fun. Um so people know it's eseti.org, and that's Enlightened Contact with Extraterrestrial Intelligence. And uh, you're going to be at Contact in the Desert, is that true, in just a few yes. weeks here? Yeah. Um, what that is, the I, I'll let people know when that is. And then um, hopefully you'll be coming to the UFO Congress in February, too, then. Yeah, it would be good to get back there. I haven't been there in quite a while. Yeah, it would be a lot of fun. I'm sure a lot of people would love to hear what you have to say. Sounds great. Hey, well, thanks for having me on the show, and keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Thank you to James for coming on the show and talking. Um, Some really interesting stuff. Of course, he has some very interesting ideas. Some of you might find it a little metaphysical. Um, Some of you, I'm sure, really enjoy that aspect. But I would implore even the nuts and bolts people uh, out there to go visit Mount Adams, because like I said, you know, it seems that a lot of people are having sightings out there, and it is something that I feel it is a little irresponsible of me have to have not been out there yet. But hopefully I'll get out there soon because uh, there's supposed to be a lot of really interesting sightings out there. And I'm excited to get out there and take a look for myself. I found personally that if you want to see a UFO, you go where people say they say UFOs a lot because my sightings have been in uh, a couple of hot spots as well. So. I'm excited about that. So thank you to James. You can go to his site at eseti.org, E-C-E-T-I, for more information. 
And for more information on all the news that Jason and I spoke about, and uh, you can go to openminds.tv. And like we said, we're getting lots of really cool stuff up on our YouTube. So go to Open Minds TV on YouTube as well. You can get there through the site or Open Minds TV on YouTube. And you can also check out uh, Spacing Out for more UFO news as well. Thank you all so much for joining us this week. And always thank you to... Uh, Caleb Hanks for our opening music and Two Earth Minutes for the close music. I love our music and it was so nice of them to uh, send that to us and create that for us. As for the rest of you, adios muchachos. We'll talk to you next week, people. Thank you.